You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And today I'm here chatting with Dixie Maria Carlton. We're talking about that V word, the, the why behind every what and aligning your core values and your actions in life and business. How are you doing, Dixie? I'm doing fabulously well. Thanks, Natalie. It's great to see you. Awesome to see you. And for those of you that haven't met Dixie before or heard of her, Dixie Carlton is a publishing, marketing, and experts coach who has been at the forefront of ensuring core values are understood and articulated in daily personal lives, as well as incorporated into brand values and marketing for more than 20 years. She also likes to challenge the status quo, don't we all, um, around how we all communicate better and important, um, sorry, better on important but often misunderstood topics, writing and speaking about those with insightful clarity. I know you're so amazing, Dixie. You've written, I think it's 24 books now. What a legend. Yeah, I'm a little bit of an overachiever in that space. <laughs> I can't help myself. I get curious about things and I want to write about it. I so. know. It's so yeah. good. Well, you've written so many books and I know you've helped so many others write books as well. So I'd love to hear about that. Um, at some point in this interview, but let's dive in with kind of a general question that I genuinely want to know, because you and I are friends. I know you moved over from Australia back to New Zealand a few years ago, but like, how have things been for you in the last three years of craziness? How's it all been? Well, it has been crazy times. I was just reflecting uh, yesterday, in fact, that uh, the last three years, three years ago, I was in living in uh, Brisbane and uh, living in a fabulous apartment, having a wonderful lifestyle, doing lots of great things, enjoying the winterless winter, which was brilliant. And then, of course, everything changed. And as we all know, the world changed, everything tilted on its axis, and that other V word became a big issue. And so my partner and I decided to relocate back to New Zealand. We're both Kiwis. We've been here for years. Um, but after 10 years away, it was time to come home. So we had to navigate the... Uh, the whole issue of getting home and how that uh, um, transpired, uh, going through the lockdowns, going through the relocation issues with vaccination issues in play, uh, discovering I was allergic to the vaccination, which was also quite helpful in some ways. And so then uh, relocated back to, to New Zealand, went and spent a year up north, re, uh, mostly because I wanted to research a new book that I'm writing about an ancestor of mine who is an incredible, interesting lady. And so I've been doing that and then relocated back to Hamilton at the start of this year so I could really focus on my business and more writing. And when I say the other V word, uh, I decided to call this book that V word because everybody's talking about V words anyway. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hey, let's have some fun with this title. So mm -hmm. I did. <laughs> I know. I was like, ooh, what exactly are we talking about? Um, yeah. So tell me, tell me about the V word. Like what is what is the book about? Um, because I know it's coming out really soon. So we're like, we're hot off the press here with this interview. Yeah. Um, tell me what it's about and what, you know, what is the what are the some of the takeaways you're really wanting people to get from it? So the book is about values and core values. Now, when I started my training as a coach 20-odd years ago, I was introduced to the concept of core values for the first time. And so over the years, I've coached and worked with many companies and individual people on the whole concept of, well, what are your values? 
versus what are your core values and what are your needs. And I've noticed every now and then over the years, values as a concept becomes a bit of a buzzword. Mm -hmm. And often I see that it's a misunderstood concept. Uh, People talk about value versus values, what they think their values are. And often with companies, for example, or you ask someone, anyone on the street, what your values are, and they'll usually say things like, well, honesty, trust, respect, integrity. Those are the four that most people just naturally gravitate towards saying when you talk about values. So I decided after many years of thinking about this that it was time to write the book and really focus on the differences of those four things. And so one of the things that I put in the book is I'm challenging the whole issue around integrity and saying that integrity is not a value. And so what I've tried to do with this book, which from the feedback and the reviews so far, I seem to have nailed it, is really help people to understand the process of how do you identify what your values and your core values are the fact that your core values won't necessarily change throughout your life. Your other values may come into play at various times, but there are a set of core values that are your drivers, the reason why you make decisions. And when you then marry that up with your needs, you get a very clear compass of what it is that you will or will not feel in or out of integrity around. So integrity really is an issue of Is this sitting well with me? Does this feel right? Does this align with what my needs and my values are? And do I have a set of core values that are the critical three to five things that make me function the way I do? And what are the other values that I might say, well, you know, this is a value of mine. It's interesting because you know how people, do you feel that some people just say those buzzword ones that you mentioned? Because those are the ones that come to mind and they sound good and they sound like right, you know, like not righteous. They sound like a virtuous, good person. (laughs) But I mean, sometimes it's like, but are those actually yours or is that just that those? Yeah. So when you work through this with people, how do they do you give them like a list of 20 and they highlight the ones that resonate or how does it work? So I've got this whole amazing exercise in the book that I've been working with people and companies and individuals with for years now, and I've refined it and and developed it over the years. So what I've done in the book is I've put this exercise where essentially you've got maybe a hundred values to just go through and have a look at and say, well, which ones resonate with me? Select those, let's get them down to a specific number, and then let's pitch them against each other to really understand how yours work for you. And my whole take on respect and trust and honesty, et cetera, is that those should be a given, you know, Mm -hmm. trust, respect, and um, honesty, those should be the things that we naturally accept as part of who we are, unless we're, you know, a raging narcissist, et cetera. And I do put a piece in the book about narcissism and values, but essentially, if you go beyond that, then you'll work out what your actual values are. So let me give you an example. My own personal core values are uh, freedom, helpfulness, curiosity, and um, communication. So for me, I will naturally gravitate towards anything that involves freedom, and I will naturally be very averse to anything that's going to risk compromising my freedom. Oh, no wonder we're good friends. Yeah, exactly. I love to have flexibility in everything I do. And I'm not someone who would make a great employee if I had to punch someone's time clock. I'm not good with that. If someone tried to shut me up and say, look, you know, we can't have you talking about 
anything for a whole day or three, I would be stifled because my values would be that I wouldn't be communicating in some way. Mm. So when my values are out of alignment, uh, that means that I'm not in integrity. So if I'm being stifled in those ways, and and there have been times in the past where, of course, you have jobs, you know, especially when you're young and people don't necessarily understand the concept of how to relate to you based on what your values are, then being held back or being promoted or being put into a situation that is out of alignment with what your needs are and your values are, then that's going to be an issue for you. So when you understand these things about yourself, it makes it so much easier to navigate your life planning. And because freedom is one of my core values, flexibility is something that I need. You know, I desperately need to be flexible and to have an ability to navigate my way in and out of opportunities where I've always got a backup plan or a, an ability to see another way of doing something if something went wrong. It's just part of what my needs are. So. I also need to be on the move. I need to be mobile. I need to, uh, you know, all those things that relate to my, my freedom value. So when you understand what your freedom, uh, what your values are in relation to what your needs are, and the same exercises in the book that you basically work out, well, which ones are yours? And everyone's different. So, for example, someone might have a core value of uh, risk, you know, being okay with risk. I am someone who is prepared to jump out of an aeroplane. I need adventure. And then you might have someone else whose core value is risk, but actually doesn't need to have adventure. They may have a need for, um, for security. So risk might be a core value, but they might work amazingly well in the industry of security. Or they may need to have really good financial security, but not have the same need for adventure that someone else who has a need uh, has a value of risk may say, well, you know, I need to be able to go and have adventure. One of my core values is to get out there and feel the adrenaline. So it's it's a it's a complex thing. And when you also look then at the other V word, which is value, uh, sorry, virtues, virtues are what we used to talk about in, in old-fashioned family ways of these are the virtues we have. You know, our family virtues are, well, most people have the virtues of honesty, reliability, uh, things that, that make you who you are. But that's not the same as values and it's not the same as needs. So I might be an honest person. Uh, well, I am an honest person. That's a virtue. That's not necessarily one of my core values. So there's a whole section of the book also about like Benjamin Franklin uh, was very young when he wrote a list of 13 virtues that he felt were the things that we all need to be able to have to step into our lives and go forth and do what we need to do in this world. And there were some things like temperance in his list uh, and love and connection. So some of those things are also evaluated in the book. A few things coming up for me that I want to touch on. Number one, I love how you highlighted the link between values and needs. And I think it's such a great time right now where so many people are reevaluating their values and their needs. Like you were talking about the flexibility and the freedom. I'm so triggered though, by the word virtue, <laughs> right? Because for yeah. me in the past three years, I've seen so much what we call virtue signaling, which mm -hmm. to me is people trying to be seen to be doing the right thing 
and not, in my view, really thoroughly thinking through what they're projecting. And I'm talking about photos they might put on Facebook, you know, or the rings they put around their Facebook profile. Um, mm. So that's interesting, isn't it? It's like sometimes virtues, how much of it is innate and it's within you and it's how you show up versus it's kind of how you want to be known. What do you say yes. to that? Well, um, look, I think that when people are being aware of their actual values and understanding how to articulate those, uh, then the virtue thing becomes almost something that is a, a secondary issue. Mm-hmm. You know, virtuous, you know, we, we talk about virtues and virtuosity and being virtuous, and it's quite an old-fashioned concept. So I don't tend to dwell on that very much. I tend to prefer to come back into the whole issue of values because if you are a person for whom values are not um, respect, honesty, and, and trust, as just part of who you are, then you're going to come across as being someone who people that look for that are going to sort of notice. I just think that that's how how life works. Um, And I may be naive in that that respect, and I fully respect that, fully understand that, I should say. But if you are someone who understands what your values are, and if kindness, for example, is one of your values, and you step into that and you know how to articulate that kindness is a value, and it may not even be a core value, but it may be one of the, the lesser ones. So I my argument with, with values is that you've got maybe three to five core values that mm-hmm. will probably never change in your whole life. But you may have other ones that come up for you every now and then, like uh, fairness, for example, or yes. independence or flexibility or um, things that are other things that you classify as being part of your values base, but they're not the, the three or five main ones. Yeah. That's cool. And they may change and evolve as your life changes and evolves. But you need to know how to articulate what your values are. So let's say, let's talk about curiosity. Uh, if, If curiosity is a value for you, well, how do you live that? How do you make that part of your daily life? Do you do you understand it well enough to be able to say, one of my core values is curiosity? I love to know things, so I will investigate. It's as simple as that. Uh, Companies who stick things on their walls and say, well, our our values are service, quality, uh, respect, and integrity. So hang on. Seriously, quality should be a given unless you're a $2 junk shop. Um, uh, Service should be a given. Why are you saying that service is one of your values if you're a company? That's not one of your brand values. But let's look at things like knowledge as a customer, as a, as a brand value. Knowledge might be something that because it's a brand value, we will hire based on what people know. We will hire curious, curious people who are also willing to share their knowledge, who would like to dig deeper in their knowledge. We as a company with a core value of knowledge will step into high quality training as part of what we deliver as part of our service. So our people are knowledgeable. Our customer service backup is based with knowledgeable people. This is one of our core values. So you see there's a difference when companies, and companies are a great example of um, people who don't necessarily understand the concept of values and how to demonstrate them. But the ones that do, and let's take Virgin, 
for example. Yeah. Cause even in the hiring process, when you explained that last one, I was like, not that I want a job job like ever again, yeah. but I, I was like, Ooh, that sounds like a good place to work. Yeah. So even and in the hiring process, explaining to someone at a cocktail party, what you do or where you work or in the hiring process. Yeah. Having that link between the buzzword. Um, and it's not just some rando buzzword that everyone uses. It's, it's really been well thought through. So I love that. Yeah. And you know, you look at someone like, you know, Richard Branson, his core value is one of his three primary core values, as, as I understand it, is fun. Everything for him has to be about fun and thinking outside the box. So he likes to do things in a disruptive way. Uh, when you work at Virgin, or that it used to be, my first experience with a Virgin Airlines flight was where everyone sang happy birthday to a 10-year-old on the plane. And they had the funny, you know, introduction of, you know, the, the, the safety guidelines. And, you know, no smoking in the toilet because, you know, actually that's a hidden camera. It's not a, it's not a smoke detector. Funny things that you actually thought, oh, this is a different kind of flight. But fun is one of Virgin's most um, most well-known value, core value as a company value, which reflects Richard's own values. But um, that's how you can say we want to attract people who understand the concept of fun because that's one of our company's core values. So we don't take people on who are, you know, sour and down in the mouth and don't want to have some fun with their work. I love that you mentioned that. I literally just put together like an info sales page, you know, for my upcoming retreat. And I, I say, you know, the, most of the women I work with are both fun and focused. Like I literally didn't intentionally throw in those words that I guess are values. I didn't even think of fun as a value, but now I see that it is. Yes. So, yay. Yeah. We should do a values um, analysis for you. and. Yeah. Uh, and actually go through and work out what your brand values are and what your personal values are and what you then want to articulate about what you're you're doing with Up Your Brave and how that aligns with your values. You might find it quite transformational. You'll probably identify that you are naturally already doing a lot of that. But when you read this book and you actually get your head into the space of this is how it works and these are the differences between what we value what we think of as our values and our core values, then everything makes sense when you then align that up with your needs. Because exactly, I, it's not just a process right, of doing it and going, oh, that was interesting. It's like, we need to then live it because if you're not living your values, is this right? This is my languaging I use. Yeah. Is like when, when we're living out of alignment, it shows up in poor health and poor relationships. We're frustrated or bitter or resentful. So do you see, is it the same thing with values? It's like when we're not living in alignment with our values, yeah. you're going to know. <laughs> so, you know, like in the, when, when we're dealing with uh, everything in the lockdowns over the last few years and freedom is a value for a lot of people, right? Especially living in the, you know, the Western world, value as a freedom is compromised hugely when you are locked down. So there was an awful lot of very, very unhappy people who weren't coping because that value wasn't being allowed to be expressed. Communication is another one that wasn't being allowed to be expressed because people were having something to say about the unfairness that they felt was happening or not being felt that they were being heard. And so communication was a value that for a lot of people was being compromised. So it did impact on their health. And but similarly, I got to jump in here because those yeah. two that you said, this is maybe a little bit of an aha moment for me because I've been going, how can so many people still not see 
You know, Mm -hmm. how can, but the thing is Nat, maybe freedom and communication aren't in their top five values. And that's why it really doesn't bother them. Like they didn't go and sign, you know, the petition about Mm -hmm. freedom or whatever. Is that, is that, is that a relevant point? That's, That's a great point. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that not everybody understands the concept well enough to think that, uh, you know, that they need to take action, that they need to express themselves in that way. But if you're, if one of your values is around mm-hmm. that, then you will feel the need to be part of that. It's like, let's say, for example, um, the election is coming up. When people start thinking about whether they're going to care enough to vote one way or the other, if they know what their values are, then those values will be what they will be tapping into, even if they don't know what they are, but those values that they have will be what they tap into when they start to think about how they're going to vote or even if they're going to vote. You know, people who have a strong sense of justice will be voting one way versus someone who has a strong sense of, um, I'm trying to think, um, pleasure might, might vote a completely different way. People who are really focused on fairness will be really concerned about what the outcomes are of those of those polls. You know, are they right? Did they do the right thing? Um, So values play into our lives in so many ways. I want to just touch on in that family values. So, for example, family values, we think about, you know, little house on the prairie and, you know, old-fashioned family values and and, and years gone by and, and, you know, we used to make it a common thing that one of our family values was to sit and eat around the table together. And then when you say that out loud, you you might think about the Waltons family dinners, you know, past the peas, past past the black-eyed peas. but when you start to think about values and core values as part of your family dynamic, and I, I practiced this and lived this with my own children over the years, and I write about it in the book, when you understand as a family what your family values are, and I have this exercise in the book that actually helps you map out what some of them might be, and it might be things like we will connect regularly or we will support each other, and that means that we will go to each other's events, functions, sports games, you know, hero moments, celebrations, et cetera. Uh, If one of our family values is that we will look after our elderly, then this is how that works. We will make sure that our parents are appropriately acknowledged and looked after and checked in on. Or it might be that one of our family values is that, you know, freedom and exploration, we will take our children and we will travel on a regular basis once every two, three years, whatever. Uh, so we write this as part of our family values. Um, and then you might have things like, well, once a year we're going to have a meeting to make sure that we're all still doing the rules of engagement around our family values. I asked my own children when I was writing this book what they thought about the whole concept of values in their growing up and what they what they remembered as being values. And, I mean, they're both adults now with wives and children of their own. And they both came back and they said, Fairness and um, independence were the core values that they remember bringing uh, being being brought up with. Now, fairness meant that we all had this attitude of, well, if that's not fair, if you're going to treat your brother like that, that's not fair. If you're going to, you know, lose something that I've worked hard to buy for you, that's not fair. So that's why you're going to look after your stuff. Uh, you're going to respect you know your brother's space in his room or whatever because that's part of being fair because you wouldn't want him to be in your room or in your space it's fair for us to go and support each other 
same with independence. And they've both grown up and travelled the world and, and, you know, been incredibly fiercely independent throughout their whole lives. But they remember that that was one of the values we had as a family, as a set of family values growing up. And they still live those. And, and it was great and easy to bring up children based on the fact that we understood the concept of the family values. These were the house rules. There weren't many, but they all came back to that. And, you know, when you're talking about family values, how do you then live them? It doesn't have to be more than two or three of them, but what are the rules for your family based on your family values? So it, it reminds, it's so valuable to do. And I guess it's the kind of thing that people might go, oh, that sounds like a good idea. But actually having that family meeting, like you said, and sitting around and it's a collaborative effort. It's not like the parents going, these, these are the values. And this is, I think mm. I would imagine it would be collaborative. Yeah. It reminds me when um, my husband and I used to work at Outward Bound and we'd have the students come in and you make like a contract, right? You do this, we do this in team building as well in the corporate space. And you'd make like a, a contract so with the, the values or whatever that everyone's kind of agreeing to. I think it's a really important thing to do when you've got groups of people, be they whether they're staff members or family. Have you seen some real shifts in the work that you've done um, creating these kind of um, values agreements, I suppose, with, let's say, staff members? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, if, if, the, if the company understands what the values are. So there was a, an IT company that I consulted to for a long time, a few years ago, and we went through this entire process of identifying what their values were and how they were going to articulate those. So it made a difference to their hiring. It made a difference to how they structured their entire training um, initiatives. Uh, it meant that they're, because they were an IT company, it meant that their whole concept of how do we deal with the knowledge that we share, in fact, one of their values was knowledge, which is why I used that example before. How do we make sure that the knowledge that is being shared throughout the entire company is actually given you know, credence and, and made a priority from not only the help desk people, but all the way through to those who are doing the research and sharing it? So the knowledge was one thing, but sharing it was another part. So it meant that the entire company had a process of, one, helpfulness was one of their values, Knowledge was another one. And so how did they make that come alive in their company? It went right through from everything they did from the, the minute someone was hired to when they were uh, inducted into the company when they when they started, the uh, assigning of a buddy to be helpful for someone settling in for the first time, for the first week or so, uh, to make sure that they understood the values of the company as well. Um, and then, again, how they how they – did the whole process of developing the training and the development of the company as a strong knowledge-based company. So it did make a huge difference because although they were sort of doing some of that up to that point, when they really started to embrace the whole concept of it, I'm just trying to think what their third one was, that we, uh, what the other two were, but I remember helpfulness and knowledge. It made such a difference to how everybody then pulled together and said, this is who we are as a company. This is what we do. This is why we're here. So it also brings in a whole lot of discussion for a lot of people about, well, when you know why you're doing something and you have the purpose, and as Simon Sinek says, and I quote him in the book as well, when you know why you're doing what you're doing, then people will buy into that. But you can't know what your why is unless you know what the values are behind why you're doing anything. And the thing is with values is that a lot of people talk about 
oh, you know, our value is this and our value is that and we know what our values are. But in actual fact, not many people sit there and help people identify how to understand this stuff and take them through a process of this is how you identify them, this is how you live them, this is how you articulate them so that they matter as part of your why or your purpose. That phrase that you said, the phrase that you said, um, how do you make them come alive? Mm -hmm. I think is so, that's great because it really, it's like, okay, yeah, these are the, these are the buzzwords. These are the values. We've got them written down in our policies or on our wall, but how do you make them come alive? Not, not just now and then, but like every day in the company. And I think that can get to the staff members on board. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you've got a a thing for um, helpfulness, no, let's let's say fun. If fun and caring is part of your values as a company, then why not make it that, uh, you know, you deliberately create fun days or fun events and that you make sure that people understand why you're doing these incredibly funny, interesting Valentine's note-giving, mystery note-giving things as part of your company, you know, fun value on a you know, once a year or, um, you know, for all the single people, but for all the, uh, everybody else just to say, hey, you know, you feel valued, you feel feel nurtured here and we're going to have some fun with this. Um, you know, the same with how you might, might celebrate Christmas or um, Halloween or any other thing or how you do birthdays within the company for each other or as teams. If you bring in the values, then it actually explodes the whole concept and makes it so easy to enjoy the work that you do as well and that's another thing that um well I haven't really gone into this a lot in the book but if you are working in a place where your values are aligned with the company then you're going to enjoy your work more so mm-hmm. from a from an employer's point of view if your values are well articulated and you've employed people based on a great fit of values then you have the ability to ensure that those people are loving their work. They are therefore more productive. Those people are going to feel more like they fit. They will feel that sense of family and familiarity because those values are being understood and articulated on an everyday basis. So you're going to have better better, uh, productivity, better retention of staff, easier to find great people who fit really well with your company. And I think even take that to relationships. You know, um, I'm, I'm single for the, for the last few times that I've dated anyone on a serious basis. I've made them go through the values and needs exercise. <laughs> and it's made a difference to whether or not we're aligned with uh, with something that that is workable as a relationship. If you've got a complete misalignment of values, then you're going to know straight away. It's also a great way of identifying who is um, someone you should best avoid. Yeah. So helpful. So helpful. Hey, I would love to ask you a little bit more about the books. Like, um, so why is this book part of your, the taboo conversation series? Yes, it is. Uh, I decided to make it that because last or about five years ago, I wrote a book called that sex book, which was all about uh, the conversations that we need to have more often in order to uh, understand sex and sexuality, especially in our mid-years, um, conversations we have with our kids, conversations we have with our parents. And when we're in our 50s, you know, everything shifts around sex and sexuality for a lot of people. And, you know, I like to say there are two kinds of people in this world, those who think sex is important at any age and everybody else. 
And so for people who think that sex is still an important thing to be talking about in midlife and beyond um, with, you know, across generational, then this was a great book to have a lot of fun with. So it also dealt with dating and, um, you know, midlife picking up or creating or recreating or rejuvenating old career, uh, old relationships as well. But I called it part of the taboo conversations because it was one of those uh, things that it was quite clear quite quickly that not everybody likes to talk about sex and sexuality. That's fine. But I called that V word. Um, I've put that into the series because I'd like to do more books about things that we don't talk about easily or well. And I think when we're talking about values, and of course, there's all this whole thing going on in the world at the moment about don't say the V word, which is all about vaccinations. Um, the the concept of having these deep level conversations about values is something that not everybody wants to do. Not everybody wants to understand it. Not everybody sees the need to understand it. And so because I feel really strongly that if we did, and if we did have those conversations, uh, then life would be better for, for us on so many levels across the board, then why not add it into this, this series? So the next series will be probably based around either death or grief. Again, conversations we don't commonly like to have. We'll yeah, we'll have, we'll have to have you back on when you do that one. It's interesting <laughs> because there's values um, and what we've had a lot of issues in the past few years with friendships and relationships with differences in opinions on things. But mm -hmm. so maybe it's like, let's change gear. Let's change the conversation to like values. And maybe that can help bring people back together. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like that. Yeah, because, you know, there, there's. There's only so much exhaustion you can apply to certain topics <laughs> before it starts to feel like you need to shift them. Exactly. Hey, I'm going to change the order of my last four questions because I'd love to ask you, how can people get the book if they're keen to go? They go, okay, I've heard of values. I did it like 10 years ago. I did something about values, but I'm, I'm keen to revisit. How can they get their hands on your book? Okay, so essentially look it up on Amazon. It's mm -hmm. all over Amazon at the moment, which is great and doing very well there. Thank you very much to everyone who's already purchased or pre-purchased the the, uh, the pre-orders. Um, but also you can go to dixiecarlton.com and forward slash books or Dixie's nonfiction books and you'll see everything in there about not only the v word, that V word book, um, but also it'll take you straight to a page that specifically has things like um, preview sample um, chapter, um, a lot more about it, some of what people are saying about the book as well. And so, yeah, DixieCarlton.com, and you'll see a tab there for books. Amazing. I'm going to spell it for everybody. D-I-X-I-E, Carlton, C-A-R-L-T-O-N.com. Yes. Um, is it paperback and ebook or just ebook? Paperback, ebook. Uh, it will be available in bookstores. If you go into bookstores from next week, you'll be Great. able to uh, from this book from this week as well. Yeah. Um, you you'll probably if you the thing with bookstores and I work in publishing industry, so I I know that this is a, a challenge for most people. <laughs> Anytime you go into a bookstore, if you can't find the book you want, go up to the counter and ask them to order it for you because there is a worldwide process of them being able to order a book in for you. And every bookstore can't carry every book in yeah. the world. Uh, so that's something that people need to know about. Great idea. Okay. So march on in and they can ask for that V word by Dixie Carlton. Okay. So I'm going to ask you my four questions. We're three left. Um, <laughs> what is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Um, I 
a couple of things. One was I decided to uh, bring it into a relationship that I was in that had been very successful and very enjoyable for five years, but I had reached its natural conclusion. And it was a values issue that actually Mm -hmm. brought that to an end, Um, but remained friends with with him. And uh, and that also took some navigating and some some use of my own values or buying into my, uh, sorry, leaning into my own values to make that happen. Mm. Um, and the other thing was was that I um, reconsidered how I want to live as a digital nomad. And so I'm taking some big steps towards that over the next, well, over the last year and going forward so that I can work more often from anywhere and travel more. So... Yeah, with your values of freedom and flexibility and what is adventure one of your values as well? No, no, it's not actually. Um, curiosity is. Oh yeah. Um, but no, uh I like to learn things, I like to discover things, but I'm not uh, I'm not adventurous per se. I'm actually a bit of a homebody. So leaning into being more flexible about my living arrangements, where and how I live. Mm. Uh, it's something that I've, I've really, you know, like I've decided not to rebuy a house or rent and maybe even put everything into storage for a year or so and just travel and knowing that I can work from anywhere, which is great. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's cool. That's I've, mm. I've got another friend who just did that same thing. She actually is just, you know, kind of, I've got one friend that bought a one-way ticket to the UK and wow. she, you know, she sold her bed, she sold her bike and she sold her car and, and then another friend and she plans to come back, but you know, one way ticket yeah. and no plan, no job, you know, and, um, and another friend that just, she's still got her online business, but she's um, basically rented out her house and just traveling New Zealand. And now's the time. I mean, it's like, people are like, Oh, when I'm older, I'll do that. No, do it now. Yeah, absolutely. Do it now. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I've been working on quite solidly for the last few years is that because I work with other authors and I develop them as as an experts coach or as a publishing coach, I am able to work from anywhere. So my business has now just taken on a slightly different uh, operational function of being able to. Um, 99% of what I do is, is on Zoom or uh, as long as I've got a computer, a laptop and an internet, I can yeah. you know, service and, and, and do what I need to do for my clients and their books and their their speaking and things that they do. There you go. So if you are out there listening and you are an aspiring um, author, you can, but you don't know where to start, you can get in touch with Dixie and she can help you with that. She can help you from anywhere. What is something on your bucket list, something you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with? Um, well, I would love to be uh, on a red carpet one day. Um, I'd love to go and have a red carpet experience. So if anyone's, you know, uh, knows that, you know, someone fabulous needs a hot date uh, mm-hmm. for a red carpet experience, please let me know. Um, <laughs> or, uh, so I'm working on a couple of books that might actually kind of help get there one day but uh, the other thing I really want to do is to go and live in Europe for a year at some point that's kind of on my bucket list but I'm very very blessed in that because my life has kind of taken the twists and turns that it has I am able to look back on all of my previous bucket list items and know that I've ticked off at least 70 maybe 80% of those over the years. So I know that I'm good at making things happen. So red carpet, it's got my name on it sometime. And one day you'll find me living in Rome for a year, I'm sure. 
Love it. Name it and claim it. It's amazing. Okay. So the (laughs) next one, I normally say what's coming up and how can we connect with you? We know your website, but what is coming up for you in the next few months? Um, And is there anywhere else we should look for you like LinkedIn or Instagram or anything? Definitely LinkedIn. I'm I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. um, And I think all authors need to be on LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn and um, please reach out anytime. The other thing is that's coming up for me is I'm heading off to the Frankfurt Book Fair next month. Uh, it's actually in October, but I'm leaving for Europe in September uh, because I like to go over to the Frankfurt Book Fair, which I've, I've been to a couple of times before, and I take uh, I represent some of my author's books over there. Amazing. And it's always a very big, exciting thing. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm also hoping is on my bucket list is to actually strike it great with a major bestseller or a book that uh, might not even be my own but a book that uh, that I've worked with or, or been part of developing um, that gets into a movie scenario and I've kind of been close a couple of times so those are the kind of places where that sort of thing starts to really unfold but the Frankfurt Book Fair is enormous uh, and so the biggest event of, of its kind in the year with publishers from everywhere so Oh my gosh. Do If you can do some Facebook lives or something while you're there for us. Actually, that's a really good idea. I will probably do that. Yeah. Dixie Carlton here reporting from the Frankfurt Book Fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you know, um, if anyone wants to connect with me, find me on my website. There's so much information there about what I do, how I do it. And, um, you know, I I love to connect with people who have read my books and, uh, you know, wanting to give feedback. But the other thing too, is that if you grab my book at the moment until the end of this month, if you buy my book and you download some of the free resources, because in the book there are these exercises, but if you want to do the full size pages, et cetera, rather than writing your book, then go and grab the, the resource pack. And then you can actually access the option to sign up for one of these limited number of free coaching sessions. Okay. But I will take you through what to do next after you've identified what your values and needs are. And I would like to make that part of an ongoing 12-month case study that I will then write about in the um, amended version or updated version of the book next year. Ooh, that sounds exciting. So how do they do that? They go to DixieCarlton.com? They buy the book first and then from the book they they can download the resources, find find their way to the right page, download the resources, and they can get a $250 uh, quality level coaching session with me free but it is limited to a certain number of people and uh, there is a certain amount of selection that will go into that because they do need to be willing to allow me to do a case study write-up on on what's changed for them yeah so the book will be updated in a year's time uh, with some case study information in it very cool amazing all right hey before we wrap things up is there anything else that you'd love to share with our audience today either talking about that v word or any other message you've got to share um no actually thank you so much Natalie I mean I love Up Your Brave I think it's an incredible program that you do and um I love the way women in particular are starting to find how to lean into ourselves and and trust ourselves more and so you know just want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing and and how you are making it so much easier for so many of us to to try up our brave and trust our ability to be brave. So just want to say kudos to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. That's very lovely of you. And um, 
I'm excited for the impact that you're, you've had so much impact already and that you're having more with this new book. So congratulations. We've been talking to Dixie, Maria, Carlton, and on the topic of that V word. Thanks, Dixie. Thanks, Natalie. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.